Christmas is a time for making memories and reminiscing about the ones already made. That's what brings us together in today's episode. Here on Christmas Past, I love telling the stories behind our Christmas traditions and narrating classic Christmas fiction, but what I love most of all is hearing and sharing your Christmas memories. Those little glimpses into your childhoods and families and hometowns and traditions. And so I'm very excited to welcome you to this first of our little family gatherings like this of the season, the kind dedicated solely to members of the Christmas Past family sharing and reminiscing with the rest of us. I say the first of these gatherings because there will be at least one more. How many more exactly depends on you. So before we dive in, let me just tell you that there is still time for you to send a Christmas memory to appear this season. Don't be shy, and don't feel like it has to be anything elaborate. Just record yourself speaking into your phone's voice memo app and send it to christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. Just keep it reasonably short, clean and family-friendly, and be sure to say your name and where you're from. And until I receive your Christmas memory, we'll have these to tide us over. So, if you have some hot chocolate nearby, take a sip now and snuggle up. Now here we are about two weeks into the Christmas season, and that sounds a lot nicer than saying we're almost halfway through. Halfway if you count the day after Thanksgiving as the start of the Christmas season. Now for many of us, it's even earlier than that, like Levon in California. My Christmas memory doesn't even take place during Christmas. It has been a long-standing tradition with my family that Thanksgiving would be celebrated at my parents' place. And even after my father passed away, we continued this tradition. And my mother, being the matriarch, had always insisted that the Christmas tree, fake Christmas tree, of course, be set up uh, right on the week of Thanksgiving. And what was really special about this was, uh, this is even before I got married and had kids, it would be an opportunity for family to get together and just enjoy one another's company as we joke and decorate. We typically put on a movie and watch that at the same time, order a pizza. And this would go on for several days right before Thanksgiving. And I always found Thanksgiving to be a bit anticlimactic compared to the prep that went into setting up. So again, even though this wasn't really a Christmas memory per se, I always associate this time with Christmas because we would be decking the place, decking the halls, so to speak, for Christmas, even though it was Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoyed the story. But of course, families like Levon's are not at all uncommon. Say what you will about Christmas creep, the holidays seeming to come earlier each year, but the truth is that time flies, and who can blame anyone for wanting the most magical season of the year to last even a couple more days? Maybe you heard stories last year about, in the midst of the pandemic, people putting up their Christmas decorations early or keeping them up late, all to bring whatever extra measure of comfort and joy they could to troubling and uncertain times. It's all about adopting the Christmas traditions that feel right to you and your family. That's something Ian in California can relate to. I'm an only child to a single mom from a mixed family, so we celebrated both Hanukkah and Christmas every year. My mother loved all things Christmas, still does, so I experienced a lot of varied traditions. My fiancé and I are similarly disjointed backgrounds, so a couple of years back we decided to start our own traditions. The beauty of this is that we've gotten the opportunity to choose our favorite portions of the holiday to celebrate and incorporate into our home. I think the most surprising tradition has come from our tree life. 2020 was a pretty rough year for so many reasons. To lighten the strain and warm up our home a bit, we put up the Christmas tree in early September and left it up till mid-March. We got a few odd looks from some of the neighbors and a couple of wisecracks from some friends, but we also got a few thank yous from passerbys. 
and more than one neighbor mentioned that they were intentionally driving by at night just to see the lighted tree to brighten their evening. We're still in the throes of COVID precautions here in California, so the tree went up again promptly the second week of September, but I'm confident that tradition is here to stay in our household. We've decided a six-month Christmas tree will be a fixture. Well, sounds like Ian is on his way to becoming that famous person in his community at Christmas time. Every town has one. When I lived in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts, there was one house on the Jamaica Way, one of the main roads, that was so festive and elaborate it caused major traffic issues. It attracted a lot of media coverage, too. But not quite to the extent of the house that Dominic in Michigan remembers from his childhood. My grandparents' house is one of my favorite Christmas memories as they had one of the largest Christmas displays in the state of Michigan. Uh, it was so big that Time Life Books Christmas Around the World came and put them on their back, the back cover of the book and gave them a beautiful two-page spread because of all the wonderment and Christmas spirit that they had. They, we would start decorating their house in September, the end of September, and we would be scrambling all the way up until the day before Thanksgiving. And then they would turn on the lights on the Friday after Thanksgiving, and then they would proceed to go out from 6 to 8 every night leading up until December 23rd and portray Mr. and Mrs. Claus for all the children. And people would just drive from everywhere and come from everywhere around the United States. It was pretty amazing. So I know what it's like to have Santa and Mrs. Claus as your grandparents. You know, I grew up with an artificial tree and those large incandescent multicolored bulbs. Just one of the many privileges of getting to experience Christmas in the 1970s and 80s. Only one person in my extended family, my Uncle Scott, ever had a live tree. Only when I had my own house did I try my hand at cutting down and maintaining a live tree. I'm a blue spruce kind of guy, if you're wondering. Yes, there's nothing quite like a real tree in the home at Christmas time, but in recent years, for ease and convenience, we've gone back to the artificial kind. But I'll always remember those fun afternoons heading out to the Christmas tree farm in Massachusetts to find the perfect tree. Rachel in Alaska has a similar memory. I grew up in Las Gatas, California, and one of my favorite Christmas memories is every year the Friday after Thanksgiving, because that was the first day the Christmas tree farms would open, my family would load up in the car and go up to the Christmas tree farms above in the mountains above our house, and we would pick out a Christmas tree and cut it down and bring it home. Um, my mom would keep it in in a bucket of water in the in the backyard until December 1st uh, before we would put it up and decorate it. But um, I, I have great memories of going up there with my family and we would cut down the tree and then we would come back to the car and we would sit on the tailgate of our old station wagon and drink hot cocoa and eat donuts. And as we got older, that changed to uh, bagels and coffee or tea. Um, but it was still just as special of a memory that I spent with my family. Hey, Los Gatos is two towns over from me in wonderful Willow Glen. It's where I take baby Dashel to the doctor. Speaking of Dash, as a newish dad, I'm finding myself with lots of, let's say, lots of opportunities to practice being patient. He is a very good boy, but he is a baby. And babies fuss and cry and screech, and sometimes it seems like there is nothing at all that will help. Last season, we'd drive around looking at Christmas lights because A, we weren't getting out much otherwise, and B, being in a moving car was the only thing that worked. If only we were in touch with Katerina in Winnipeg at the time, maybe she could have given us some advice. My son was born in July 2002, and it was a hot, hot summer. When he was about one month old, 
We had the great idea to go to the zoo on a Saturday and it turned out to be one of the hottest days of the year. We didn't own a car so we had to take the bus to go there and took a taxi to go home. I'm telling you all this to bring home the point that it was a long, long day. When we arrived home, we were all exhausted and the baby started crying and crying and crying and did not stop until the wee hours of the next morning. I genuinely struggled with keeping calm at his distress. I started to sing to him, but I didn't know many lyrics until I resorted to Christmas carols in August on a hot, hot evening. Those were the only songs where I know the lyrics to more than one of the tunes and so my last shred of sanity clung to those words while I continued to comfort the baby. We both made it through the night intact and from then on I would sing those carols every night. Needless to say, we both love Christmas to this day. Well now for a complete change of topic, let's talk about Christmas cookies. There's just something magical about them. The act of baking them is festive and fun and creative. They make the house smell wonderfully warm and sweet while they're baking. And then, of course, the finished product is a feast for the eyes and a yummy treat. And because there are so many kinds of Christmas cookies, the kinds you grew up with make your family Christmas personal and special. My mom used to make stained glass cookies with crushed hard candy and almond cookies from an old-fashioned press. Those cookies will always take me right back to my childhood Christmases in Stoughton, Massachusetts. As for Kurt in Missouri... My grandmother was a cook at a uh, high school, and uh, so she was very good uh, in the kitchen with the, with the food, but uh, she made four cookies. Uh, she made a, a Toll House cookie. She made a, a what was called an anise cookie. Uh, she made a white rock cookie, and she also made a chewy oatmeal cookie and uh, those were the best cookies I ever ate and and have ever eaten since as I got older and uh, my mom basically said if you want these cookies um, I'll make them for you as my grandmother passed and then I uh, as my mom got older and when she turned 70 she gave me the recipes and she said I can't make these anymore if you want to make them so those are the four cookies I make every year um, those four Christmas cookies, for me, those are my great memories from the 60s uh, in my, my grandmother's house. Of course, one of the things we do with Christmas cookies is leave them out for Santa. Just last week, Dashiell met Santa Claus for the very first time, and he carried on that venerable tradition of freaking the heck out and making for a really funny and memorable picture. I think of all the ways that I encountered and interacted with Santa as a child, sitting on his lap, writing him a letter, seeing him in the town parade and of all the new ways that Baby Dash will have, like apps or Zoom calls. Katie in Minnesota has a memory of her own about a magical encounter with Santa in an unconventional setting. I wanted to share a Christmas memory of when I was a little girl. I grew up in northeastern Wisconsin in a little town called Cato, which is in Manitowoc County. And there is a fantastic local radio station in Manitowoc, WOMT. And every year you could call WOMT, there was always like a Saturday or a Sunday before Christmas when Santa would take the phone calls of any kids who called in. And I got to call in once and I actually got to talk to Santa Claus and I asked him for a special gift, whatever he picked out for me. I didn't pick one out. I wanted him to select something really special. And so Christmas morning, there was an interestingly wrapped present that said 
to Katie from Santa. It had that designation on it. And I opened it and it was this really, really unique, cool, gray, like monster stuffed animal. And it had little legs and little arms. And I named him Mortimer. And I will always remember the year that Santa Claus gave me this special present. Now, Growing up, I still listen to WOMT. They have a podcast that I can listen to my hometown radio station. And it's interesting that Santa's voice sounds an awful lot like one of the morning hosts named Lee Douglas. He's kind of a famous uh, broadcaster there at the station. So I don't know if they're still doing that tradition where you can call in and talk to Santa Claus, but I loved it. And I'm so glad Santa sent me a gift. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and I hope everybody has a wonderful new year. Well, I always hate to leave a family party, but it's time to bring this one to a close. And what better way to end it than gathered around the Christmas tree? The Christmas tree is almost like a little museum displaying memories and keepsakes from Christmas's past. My own Christmas tree has ornaments from my childhood, homemade ones from over the years, and ones picked up at gift shops in our travels around the country and world. For Molly in Idaho, Christmas tree ornaments are also a way to stay connected with her siblings. One of my favorite Christmas memories is more of a tradition in that each year, my siblings and I find an ornament for each of us to have on our trees, no matter where we are, whether that's Idaho, Oregon, California, Virginia, or even as far as Alaska. We all have the same ornament, and it goes out in the mail in the middle of December, and we can put it on the tree by the time for Christmas. Some of my favorites have been a cookie shaped like a snowflake, and a reindeer drinking a martini, and a white peacock, which was my pick. It has glitter all over it, so it shines with the Christmas lights. And then one that we all are afraid of, we nicknamed the Creepy Dutch Boy because it is a little creepy and always finds its way to the back of the tree. Merry Christmas. Molly sent me a picture of the creepy ornament, and yep, it is creepy. I'll post a picture of it on my social accounts. Thank you so much to Levon, Ian, Dominic, Rachel, Katerina, Kurt, Katie, and Molly for sharing their Christmas memories and Christmas spirit. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back again before you know it with an all-new episode. Until then, let me remind you that Christmas Past is produced in wonderful Willow Glen, California, by yours truly, Brian Earle. Stay connected all season long and beyond. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please do join our private Christmas Past Facebook group if you haven't yet. And if you're really feeling the Christmas spirit, why not help more people discover this show by telling a friend about it or leaving a review on Apple Podcasts? If you do leave a review, I'll send you a Christmas Past sticker and a handwritten Christmas card as my way of saying thanks. Reach out for details on that. And again, my email address is christmaspastpodcast at gmail.com. By the time this episode hits your podcast app, there will be just over two weeks left until Christmas. Let's make the most of it and let's share the season together. Until we meet again, may your days be merry and bright.